0: Good morning Passion Church, would you join us as we worship the Lord in the house this morning.
1: has invaded this space for this moment. And so, Father, this morning, we take the time to allow you to accomplish what only you can accomplish. To meet with us in this place again. If you're here this morning, I just sense this very strongly. If you're here this morning and you would say, Steve, I need God to To take something in my life and turn it around. We sang that, that he can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it around for our good. But some some of us are in the before the turnaround stage. We haven't seen him turn it yet. If you're here this morning and you need him to turn something around in your life, very quickly, I want you to come and stand right up here in the front. We don't do this very often, so if that's you, I need you to move right now. I need him to turn something around in my life. It could be a variety of things. You know what you're in the middle of right now. The Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But I think we misunderstand that. It doesn't say that a weapon won't be formed no weapon that is formed against me so there are weapons that are formed against us that's part of life but the promise is this although it's formed it will not prosper it will not succeed but I want to be honest with you this morning there are moments where I feel like that the weapon's working anybody else? if you're up here this morning you probably feel that way Listen, I I said this last week. If we're going to grow up and be a mature body of Christ, we've got to learn to quit competing with one another and start completing one another. We must start carrying one another. So if you're not up here, then what I want you to do right at this moment is, I I want you to move out right now and get your hand on somebody that came forward this morning. And we're going to pray this, that God, you're going to begin to turn it around. You're going to begin to turn it around. Whatever it is that these individuals are facing this morning, that although the weapon may feel like it's been formed, and although it may feel like it's taking root, the truth that we're standing on this morning is that although it has been formed, it will not prosper. Come on, would you would you begin to lift up your faith this morning? Father, in this place right now, we declare over our brothers and our sisters that came down front, that are declaring and and publicly stating that a weapon has been formed against them. I pray in the name of Jesus, we take authority over that weapon and we call that thing destroyed in the name of Jesus. And we believe that the turnaround is beginning right now. We participate in your turnaround right now. We extend our faith, our care, our concern, and we bring our brothers and our sisters before your throne this morning. And so, Father, this is what we do. We come against fear. We come against sickness. We come against lack. We come against divorce. We come against uh, 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 intimidation. We come against depression. We come against anything that is formed against us that the enemy knows because he knows our weakness. All these things that he begins to form against us to cause us to question Whether or not we're still in your hands, we come against those things right now. We take authority over them in the name of Jesus. By the authority given to us by the blood of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus. We apply the blood of Jesus to sickness this morning, depression this morning. Be gone by the name of Jesus and the power contained in that name. We come against fear and anxiety. Confusion, confusion. You are not the author of confusion, Father. So we we recognize the source, the origin of that confusion, so we declare it broken by the power and the blood of Jesus right now. We come against brokenness in relationships this morning, Father, husband and wife, moms and dads and, and children and extended family. Father, we declare in the name of Jesus, That anything that the enemy is trying to form against us will be turned around. And then when we look back over our shoulder, we'll recognize that, Father, you used, you took the very thing the enemy wanted to use against us. And you prospered us. You set us up for greatness by what we've been through. Come on, would you just as you praying for your brother and your sister in the Lord this morning? Would you just begin to speak words of life over them? Come on, let the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to operate and begin to speak out words of wisdom and knowledge that maybe you don't understand yourself, but it'll speak directly to their situation. We speak life. We speak life and
2: hope. Never us, evil, you You'll never forsake for us, Lord. You'll never forsake us, Lord. You ride right here with girl. us. You take with the enemy us. Not talking about in this place as a building. He's
1: right in the place of your need right now. see you in the good in the in the in the moment when we're on the mountaintop we only sense you and can only seem to glimpse you when everything's going right i pray that now instead what you would do is you would open up our eyes and our understanding and we would recognize that you are even more present with us in the middle of our problems you're even more present with us in the middle of the valley. You're even more with us in the moment where we feel like getting up. If we would just become aware, if we would just open our eyes and understand, open our heart to perceive you're right here in this place. It's not a perfect place, but you're in this place. We're in the perfect place because you're in this place. So in the middle of our pain, we're right in the perfect place. In the middle of our brokenness, we're right in the perfect place. In the middle of the meantime, we're still in the perfect place. In the middle of our waiting moment, we're still in the perfect place. You're right here with us. You're with us. You're with us. You're present. You're a very present help in our time of success. No. You're a very present help in the time when everything is going just like we want it. No. You're a very present help when our bank account is full. No. You're a very present help when our body is cooperating and we're completely whole. No. You're a very present help when our relationship is going just like it's supposed to because we watch the Hallmark Channel. No. You're a very present help in our time of trouble. Trouble In the middle of our trouble, you're the most present. So Father, for everyone that walked down and extended their faith, I pray that what they would recognize in this moment is that the trouble they're going through is not an indication that you've forgotten them. But instead, I believe what this trouble is, it's an indication of this. You're with us. Because if we weren't going through trouble, we wouldn't need you. But we desperately need you this morning, Father. And so, Father, I speak hope and I speak life and I speak faith where there's no faith. I, I loan my faith to my brothers and my sisters that have prayed about this before. And ask you to come through before and didn't see what they thought they would see. I extend my faith and I loan it to them in this moment. And I encourage them in the Lord. And I stand on this fact. That your word declares that you will never leave us. Nor will you forsake us. And that you are sufficient for us. In our time of need. And so we put our trust and our hope and our faith. In you this morning. And we declare, we declare, we declare that the Lord is good. But wait a minute, my, my, my struggle's not through, I know. But we declare that the Lord is good. But wait a minute, my bank account didn't change. But we declare that the Lord is good. But I'm still sick and I don't feel right. But we declare that the Lord is good. But, but my relationship doesn't seem to be any, But we declare that there's a standard in our life, that there's a consistency in our life, and it's this: the Lord is good. Come on, would you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. The Lord is good. Come on, say it again. The Lord is good. One more time. The Lord is good. Now, would you praise him like he's good? We praise you, Father. We go your name, oh Lord. The Lord
2: is good. good. You're so 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 good to me.
1: Taking place. Max, I want you to get up on my back. Come on, jump up there. Oh. This is literally what we're doing this morning. We're carrying somebody in need that can't get there on his own. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pinpoint them by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I gotta carry them into the presence of God. Thank you, Max. This Sunday I carry him, but next Sunday he may have to carry me. So this is what I want you to do. I I, I want you to, I know you're standing next to somebody, I want you to get their arm up around you like this. And, and just as a, as, as a step of faith, would you just kind of... Have y'all watched somebody get hurt in basketball? Like they can't walk, they, they twist their ankle and they lean. And would you just kind of take a step with one another? That, that's what we got to do. We got to lean on one another. Come on, lean on somebody. Do that one. Thank you, Max. As a, as a, as a declaration of what...
2: We've got to go beyond this service.
1: got to go beyond this place. service. That we learn to lean on one another and to carry one another enlighten each other's loads, father i pray that you'd knit our hearts together this morning would you knit our way. hearts together this morning yes. holy spirit would you would you do more than just allow us to have a feel-good moment right now would you do something that is lasting would, would at this very moment when a light go on in us the apathy roll away to where we're not just concerned about ourselves Could you pinpoint somebody for us this morning as we desperately continue to try to make the shift from me to you? Where I look around me and I see needs. Could you help me this morning, Holy Spirit, pinpoint, find one person that I do more than just pray for on this one Sunday morning. But instead, I begin to call out their name daily. Can't go to sleep at night until I lift them up. It's the first thing I think about in the morning when I get up. I've, I've got to pray for them. I, I've got to pick up the phone and call them because I sense they need a word. God, could you could you knit our hearts together at that place, at that level? Could you do that this morning, Father? I ask you to do that right now. Across cultural lines, across racial divides, across gender differences across socioeconomic differences across political lines could you knit our hearts together at such a deep level that we hurt for one another and that we rejoice for one another that we protect one another that we watch for one another that we guard one another that we bombard heaven's throne for one another could you Connect us at that level, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus. Please, Father, I'm asking you to make that change in us right now. Too many of us are limping through life alone. And I pray that this morning what you're doing is a Holy Ghost moment that would cause our walls to, to be lowered and our concern to be heightened and that you would strengthen us together I pray man I sense the Holy Spirit doing something some of you need to exchange phone numbers this morning some of you need to exchange names you don't even know the name of the person that the Holy Spirit led you to that's okay Build us into a body. Linked, fashioned, put together, all different, all unique. But together we work. Together it works. God, would you do that this morning? do that in us this
3: morning I,
1: would you would you do this man I'm, I'm asking you to be brave but I sense this if you're here this morning and you say Steve my deal is this I feel forsaken or I feel alone I feel I feel I I, I hesitate to use the word lonely because we so flippantly use that word now that it doesn't speak to the depth of our isolation at moments. If you're here this morning and that's how you feel, it may not be Reality, but that's how you feel. So, your perspective is your reality. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're walking life alone, would you just lift your hand real quick? Just put it up. Say, I feel like I'm by myself. Keep it up because we need to respond. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. I've been there at times. If you're standing next to a person, they got their hand up. I want you to re- lay your hand on them right now if they don't already have a hand on them. So you say, well, whose fault is that? It's both. It's theirs because a lot of times we isolate ourselves. And we won't let our walls down. And we won't let anybody get close. But a lot of times it's our fault as well because we don't respond the way we should. And we become so self-consumed that we don't pay attention. So would you just do this before you pray? Because a lot of times as, as, uh, as, as believers, I'm not dismissing or diminishing the power of prayer. And we need to pray, and we're going to pray. But sometimes we just need to talk. Would you just reach out to the pe- people you saw raise their hands and just say to them right now, "Hey, I'm here for you. If the Holy Spirit don't do this, if you're not willing to make the call to check on them, to do life with them, but if you're willing to do that, if you're genuinely concerned, you're throwing a lifeline. That's what we're doing. We're we're literally throwing a lifeline. I'll walk through you with what I'll walk with you through whatever you're walking through." Just look at them and say, you don't have to do this by yourself. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I may not be able to pay all your bills. <laughs> I may not be able to come walk your dog every time you want me to. But I'll do life with you. And in the middle of the night, when you need somebody to talk to, you can ring my phone and I'll answer. So, Father, right now, I pray that you would connect us at that kind of level. And, Father, we come against the lie of the enemy that tells us that we're all by ourselves and that nobody cares. And that we're all alone and nobody really knows. I come against the lie that we've been forsaken and forgotten. I speak against the lie that we have been forsaken and that we have been forgotten. Because your word teaches us that you're you network, you're so mindful of us that we're always on your mind. But I also believe that by the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit, you're placing our, our situation on the minds of people around us. And so, Father, for those that raise their hands, if, if they're guilty of putting up walls and keeping people at a distance, I pray this morning their guard would come down and they would let people enter their lives. For those that raise their hand, maybe they tried to reach out and no one's responded. So the rest of us, Father, we repent and we ask you to make us more sensitive to move it, the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. And may we take practical steps beyond just praying for one another in a church service when the emotions are high. I pray that we would now make a commitment to take practical steps to pick up the phone, to spend time, to check on, to follow up on, and to hold one another up. I pray you would accomplish this. Accomplish this. In the name of Jesus. May your grace. May great grace. Be extended to us this morning I pray. And to every need. Represented here. Father we give you glory for what you've accomplished in the lives of your people today. May we remember this morning. as a significant moment in the life of your people that we can point to and declare that it was in that moment that everything began to shift and turn around for my good. I pray you would accomplish this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you give somebody a hug or a high five and just bless them for a moment. Sorry, we're going to shift here. Sorry. Hang on, I'm looking something up. A new series this morning, but we're not. If you want to start the new series, then you can come to Second Service today. If we get to do it, then. I've talked about it often. I was a freshman in college, I was in an Old Testament class, introduction to the Old Testament. And my professor, as an assignment, made us read the entire Old Testament through in the semester. Being the overachiever I am, I waited until the last three days. And I can take you to the room. through the Old Testament when a lightning bolt went off as I came across this passage of scripture I've read it to you before but I sense it strongly this morning how many of you would say you want the Lord to be close to you I've discovered that when the Lord is close to me, things are better. And I recognize we have a part to play in that and we have to get close to Him. (laughs) But maybe we don't understand the prerequisite for Him to be close to us. Because as I was speed skipping, I landed in Psalm 34, 18. I was reading in in NIV because we were required to. I'll read it that way and then I'll read it to you out of another version this morning. The Lord is close to those who are broken hearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now you think about who's writing this, maybe this is our series, I don't know. But David with all his mess in the middle of his mess pens these words listen to it in this version the Lord is closer to those whose hearts are breaking you you missed it the Lord is close to those whose hearts are breaking he rescues those Who are humbly sorry for their sins. That's a different take. Maybe one more. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. Now listen to this. Man, if this doesn't bring it to to where we are. If, you've, if you're kicked in the gut. Ever felt kicked in the gut? This is what it says. He'll help you catch your breath. So I don't know why I sensed this morning that, that as much as that was a word for us, for me, at 1 a.m. speed skipping through the Old Testament because of an assignment in 1986. But I just sensed this morning That that is a word for somebody. You may feel like you've been kicked in the stinking gut. But he can help you catch your breath. Father, this morning I pray that what would take place in this very moment as we've read your your word to us. That right in the middle of all of our mess. Messes that we make. And messes that were made for us. Because, Father, some of us are in messes right now that we really didn't even contribute to. They just blew up all around us, and now we're in a mess. But some of us have made choices and decisions that have created debris and clutter in our lives. But Father, we recognize according to your word that I just read, that doesn't cause you to be more distant. That causes, that's the prerequisite for your closeness. That's the thats the determining factor that when we are in that kind of situation, that you show up. And so Father, this morning I pray that for anyone here that feels like they've been kicked in the gut, that you would now allow the breath of the Holy Spirit to blow in and cause us and help us to catch our breath to find our footing square us away rescue us cause us to know you as the one that is close to the brokenhearted and to those that are crushed in spirit Father if you would do that today as we lean on one another and as you help us to carry one another and as you cause our hearts to be knit, then we can declare we had church. You've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. Now, I'm mad at you because all my study was for for naught. But I'm not mad because with one word, you can change everything. In fact, Father, I just declare over you the song we sing... Jesus, you change everything. (laughs) You change everything. Nothing is the same. Everything is new. And I just pray this morning that as we breathe in the deep breath of life, life found through your son Jesus, but also life found in relationship with fellow brothers and sisters. That you would be as close as you've ever been to us in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to miss an opportunity to do this in every service. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you have not submitted to Him as your Lord, your King. We will not embarrass you. We simply want to help you pray. Put materials in your hands. If you're here this morning and that you would, you just raise your hand. You can pull it right back down. And say, I need Him. I need Him. I need Him. Is there one? I don't want... Yeah, there's one. Anyone else that would say, I need Jesus to come into my life and change me forever. Father, in this Holy Ghost moment, the Holy Spirit's moving in this place. You're drawing people. We create our own loneliness sometimes. We create our own distance sometimes. But we sense you pulling us to you today. I pray that in this moment, we would all come back to that place where we we do this because we all have to. Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask you to become the Lord and the Savior of our life. Your word declares that if we confess with our mouth that you're Lord, if we believe in our hearts that you came and you died on a cross and you rose again on the third day, in that moment when we confess all that with our mouth, which we're saying that right now, you are Lord, you are King. We submit to you in that very moment, there's something that changes and we become born again. All things are new and we're saved. We thank you for rescuing us today. Thankful for the breaking and the moving of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would continue to be constantly hungry for a deeper move of your Holy Spirit, not only in our lives, but in this body. We give you thanks for what you're accomplishing and have accomplished today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Julie, will you go to the keyboard? Seth, you want to come and close? This is different. If you're new to Passion, this is different than what we normally do, but that's okay. One of the statements that we said from our early days, and we continue to believe it, is this: is that we will follow the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit. He knows better what we need than we do, and so we'll do what the Holy Spirit i didn't even know y'all changed yet ain't that pretty cool
3: amen thank you pastor i'm thankful for a church that takes the move of the spirit seriously um, amen and i'm thankful that he changes us and moves Um, As the ushers move to receive the tithes and offerings, in the seat backs in front of you, um, there are next step cards. Um, Go ahead and take that and fill that out. If it's your first time, take that and give it to the um, booth outside underneath the awning, and they have a gift for you. And if if it is your second time, um, go ahead and see Pastor Steve, and he's got a gift for you um, as well. We're thankful that you have decided to join us this morning at Passion. You could have been anywhere else. But you chose to spend it with us and so we are um, very thankful. And let's check out the announcements this morning.
4: Don't, miss, Don't the miss the School of Leadership, leadership tonight at 6, 6 p.m. at the Passion Church at, the Passion Church at 150th, 150th in Rockwell. The class the will meet will once a month for, month eight, month for months. eight months. The sessions the session will feature, feature teaching and theology, theology leadership, and specialized and training in worship, students, students, connections, and kids. It will also, and help, also you help you continue and maintain, and maintain growth. growth. Everyone, Everyone is welcome, every welcome and every volunteer, every at, volunteer at Passion Packers is encouraged to attend. There is a small cost of $100 for a family or individual. You can sign up for this amazing class in the green room. Make plans to participate in corporate prayer on Saturday, March 14th at noon at the church. Please make plans to join us for this one hour of prayer for our church and our community. Calling all men, join us for allies on Saturday, March 14th. We will leave the church at 9 a.m. and go shoot some guns, do some fishing, and cook out for lunch. This will be a blast. Please begin to bring individually wrapped candy for our Easter egg hunt. You can place the candy in the, the candy lobby. lobby. The hunt will take place after We're each service on Easter, Easter, Easter Sunday.
2: Passion Women, We are so excited to introduce our first ever Sisters event. Coming Friday, April the 3rd. Doors open at 6 o'clock p.m. The service starts at 7. We will have finger feeds for you and child chair for ages 6 and under. No excuses. You want to be there. It's going to be a great night of fun worship word by Tiffany Cooper. She's the pastor with her husband, Herbert Cooper, at People's Church here in Oklahoma City. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome event. So we look forward to seeing you at Sisters Wildflower Event April 3rd.
3: Jesus for the first time, and you gave your life this morning to Jesus, go ahead and text that number and text SAVE. And if this morning you feel like you want to serve the church in any capacity, be it worship or tech or um, anything in the church, kids, youth, whatever you feel like um, the Lord has placed inside of your heart to serve in any way, go ahead and text that number as well and text. So stand with me this morning and let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you so much for um, how much you love us. Father, that you would send your spirit into this place, and not only into into this place, Father, but into our hearts and into our lives so that we can be changed by your presence. And so we pray that as we go throughout this week, you would help us to glorify you in everything that we do, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.
0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
1: So you can say the name of the city. And most people instantly, without any additional information, know what you're talking about. Uh, Let me mention some of the cities to you and see if you know. Canton, Ohio, Springfield, Massachusetts, or Cooperstown, New York. Okay, some of y'all are looking at me like, what in the world? So we know you're not a sports fan because uh, these are the locations of the Hall of Fame for football, basketball, and baseball. So so you know that these special places enshrine the heroes that play on fields and courts and people throng to these hallowed halls to pay homage to these great sports heroes that we're all kind of enthralled with. In fact, did you know that all three of those Hall of Fames have right at 200,000 people every year go through their doors to see a glove? To see a helmet, to see a video clip of their hero playing, and so so it 's a big deal for a lot of people but here 's the truth: there are arguments about who should be and who should not be in the hall of fame there there 's this constant dialogue going on all you got to do is get on the internet and you can find blogs, you can find podcast you can watch sports center and there's this continuous argument about who's who's already in there that shouldn't be or who's not in there that should be and one in particular that everybody knows about is pete rose everybody wants to talk about pete rose right so 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 they're they're enshrined in there and some of us would agree that some of the people in there belong to be in there and some of us would say well i just don't know the jury's still out right so there's this debate So their worthiness is up for debate. And a lot of it has to do with this. The the debates kind of rally around two things. Lack of stats or lack of character. Right? And there's this constant debate. So so, uh, there's a hall of fame for faith too, by the way. There is a difference in this Hall of Fame, though, because it's not uh, encapsulated inside a building. It's not in some city somewhere. It's not captured by brick and mortar. It's actually the, the Hall of Fame of Faith is on a page. It is captured in ink. And you know the, you know where it's at. It's kind of almost as uh, synonymous with, with Hall of Fame as Cooperstown or, or, or Canton. All you got to do is say this. Hebrews chapter 11. And it's the Hall of Fame of Faith. But let's think a minute about the heroes that are recorded there. Because just like the Hall of Fame for football or baseball or basketball, where it enshrines the heroes, the Hall of Fame of Faith does the exact same thing. But let's stop and think for just a moment about who's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. For instance, here's the list, just a short list. Uh, Abraham. Well, you go, well, he's the father of the faith. It, surely he belongs so The only problem is, is that Abraham was a bona fide liar. All right, okay, so so then we go on, and then there's Jacob. Uh, Jacob was a professional con man. That's all he knew how to do was lie and cheat and steal, right? Uh, then you got, you got somebody by the name of Moses, and we go, well, Moses, man, he wrote, he, he's the one that recorded the Ten Commandments. Surely he, I, I know why he's in there. The deal is, is that Moses was a, a murderer. Rahab is in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Rahab was a hooker. Okay, y'all looking at me funny this morning. I know y'all lost an hour of sleep, but wake up. We got a hooker in the name of in the list of the hall of. She lived in the red light district. She was a pro, she was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. Okay, so so then you go forward and uh, then Samson's listed. Samson, uh, he was a womanizer. He he couldn't leave the ladies alone, uh, plus, plus he liked to drink stuff he wasn't supposed to drink, and touch stuff he wasn't supposed to touch, okay, then you got David, well David, hes the, I mean even to this day in Israel, you go everywhere, and it's the city of David, and the star of David, and everybody talks about David, only problem is, is that David was an adulterer and a murderer, he doubled down, right? <laughs> so 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 there's very little debate about the fact that most of the people included in the hall of fame of faith don't belong there at least if you go by our standards they don't belong there we debate about the fact that we, that we don't even need to debate there can be no argument that these people they, they they're less than what we expected they don't in fact you can say it like this they they're not they don't tend to have stellar character they weren't perfect They make Pete Rose look like a saint. Right? They didn't always perform up to our expectations. They were just a little sketchy. See where we're going with this? Okay. So why are they in there then? Because if if you look at the list and you go, well, well, a murderer, a liar, a trickster, a prostitute, a womanizer, an adulterer, why are they even included? How in the world can they even be included in this hall of fame of faith? What sets them apart? And there's a very simple yet complicated answer, and it's this. They were holy. That sounds like a contradiction because they weren't perfect but they were holy so so let me back up then because if holiness is what uh, includes them in the hall of fame of faith then then let's back up a little bit and let's try to figure out why that is so necessary why is it that that is the thing that set them apart why is it that that's the thing that includes them so all you got to do is you got to back up and read Because very early on, God begins to tell about what would be required of His people. It happens in the Old Testament, but it's repeated in the New Testament. So let me just give you some examples. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44 says this. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. So He's given us the standard. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 45. Be holy. Because I'm holy. You did notice that that was the next verse, right? Verse 44, he says it, then it repeats it. Anytime God repeats something, you better pay attention. Yeah. Right? Leviticus 19:2. 2. Speak, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 7. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. You you see, he's repeating it over and over again. And then you can fast forward in the New Testament and Peter gets in on the mix. And in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 he says this. But now, speaking to believers like us, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. So it is very apparent from Scripture, from just the verses I've read to you, that the demand or the standard that has been placed upon our life that God is calling us to is a level of holiness, not perfection, holiness. That rattles most of us. I don't know if that bothers you any. It bothers me because, um, can I be honest with you? I know me. It ought to bother you because most of you know you and you know that there's some sketchiness there right Uh, you may not you may not you may not be in the class of a Moses or a David or an Abraham but there's some sketchiness there and you recognize your own flaws and your own issues and and your own character issues and the times that you've messed up and so it makes us a little bit nervous when we start talking about you're supposed to be holy but can I take you back to the hall of fame of faith for a second because the writer recognized the, and makes it clear that, that we're supposed to be holy. But I want you to see what he says. He says in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, he says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So holiness is the qualifying feature of inclusion in the ranks of the Hall of Fame of Faith. So what does that do for me? How, how's that, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we're going to talk about that. But, but I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Because most of the time it's not beneficial, I don't think. It just It's a preacher trying to impress you with some knowledge that maybe he picked up 30 years ago in Bible college. And that doesn't really help you any. But this morning I need to do this because I think it does help us. It shows us the standard. The, the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament for holiness is the word Kadesh. Here's the definition. I think it helps us because every time that God says in Leviticus, be holy, He's using the word they're used as Kadesh. It means this, apart. It means set apart, separate, sacred otherness, transcendent, and totally other. Well, what, how does that help us? Well, in the New Testament, there are several words used, but most of the time, the word used for holiness is the word, a Greek word that is uh, is, is hagios, and it too means this. It means set apart, revered sacred and worthy of veneration so for a work let's get a working definition then if if holiness is required if if god said to the 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 old testament folks and the new testament folks and we're in the new testament side of the category be holy then we need a working definition of holiness so we know how to live right so so for a working definition to live a hall of fame worthy life then here it is just real simple This is not a complicated definition. It's just supposed to help you. And that is this. Holy literally means to be set apart. To be set apart. Now, um, last uh, two weeks ago, as we wrapped up uh, the Six Foot Baby series in the last one, moving uh, from me to we, we talked about, I made a statement to you, that we should have shared morals. Y'all remember? And some of y'all looked at me crazy because you would never heard anybody talk like that. That there should be shared morals and there should be collective ethic built around this body. Everybody with me? Okay. I still believe that with all my heart. I think I can back that up from scripture and I think I did back that up from scripture. But my question then then is this. What is the collective ethic? If we're going to be bound by a a collective ethic and shared morals, who decides what those morals should be? because some of you have some moral stances that other people don't have so who gets to decide who gets to make the decision that this is considered holy and that's not considered holy are y'all am i okay okay i just want to make sure can i just tell you that has been a debate for centuries who gets to decide some of y'all want to be on that on that committee and get to decide right now because there's some things you like to do that you want everybody else to believe is holy all right But that has been a debate for centuries. So what happens then is is we've made the standard of holiness either unnecessary or unattainable. And either position is wrong and we make it a mess because we've made it about rules rather than about relationship. Okay, I'm going to try to help you this morning. How many of you? Not everybody in here is going to be able to say this, and I recognize it. But th- those, I just want to make sure I got a few that understand, that lived what I lived. All right, went through what I went through. How many of you ever? Uh, how many of you grew up in the Holiness movement? All right, okay, about 8, 10, 12, 14 of you. The rest of you, blessings upon you, because we we went through some stuff. All right, uh, we we've experienced some stuff. Like uh, we've made. If you are a part of the Holiness movement in your past, then you recognize that uh, we kind of make it a mess sometimes. Um, Have you ever noticed we make it about clotheslines and hemlines? Do you notice? uh, You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, my grandmother, who was in the holiness movement, pastored a church in Purcell until she was 101 years old, and on the front door it said, no joke, in big print, written out on construction poster board, massive, women, no pantsuits allowed. It said it right on the front door. Y'all think I'm joking. That's a reality. All right? But I want you to notice just a couple thoughts, and then I'm going to move on to some stuff that really matters. But I just had to get this off my chest. I need to rant just a minute. Did you ever recognize, or if you grew up in the holiness movement, did you ever notice that it was always harder on the women and more lenient on the men? What's that about? Uh, Okay. I just wanted to see... um, Did you notice that the agreed-upon standard of holiness um, also hardly ever addressed the sins we were most comfortable with? So the result was this. Uh, You had a bunch of people running around with no makeup and wearing very modest clothing who wouldn't go to the movies but wouldn't pass up a buffet. I'm just telling you the way it was. Uh, And that's the reason is, is because the standard had very little to do with inward transformation. It only addressed outward uh, 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 conforming. As long as you can look like us, we really don't care whether inside you're struggling. We We need you to look like us so we can say you're holy. All right, so so holiness became a mess and it became this um, recipe for a, uh, an argument. It was an argument about legalism versus license. And you say, well, what's that about? Well, what that means then is that we set all these rules up and we became very legalistic about the rules and they were most of the time out of reach. Or if we grew up in it, we tend to do this. We have a knee-jerk reaction to the, all, all the restrictions that were put on us. Like, you can't go to the movies. I've never been to a movie. Well, I've been to one movie on our honeymoon. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't mix swim. Couldn't play cards. Don't look at me like that. That I'm just telling you what it was like in, in my my growing up days. Couldn't wear shorts, still don't wear shorts because you I like you still have your eyesight and, and, and all these standards. But then what we if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the legalistic side of holiness that that as a knee-jerk response, we will swing the pendulum, pendulum all the way to the other side. And now what we want to do is we want to operate in license and we want to test the limits of grace. What can I get away with? And either position is an absolute misunderstanding of holiness. So if we're going to strive to be holy, then I think it's important if we're going to strive to be like God, strive to be, strive to be holy so that we can see God, then we, know, we need to know what the standards really are. So let me help you. Hmm. Alright, are you ready? If we are going to try to live set apart then this is the truth I need you to hear. We must know the standard to live by the standard. How can you be set apart if you don't know what you're supposed to be set apart from? If you aren't sure, then can I tell you what happens? Whoever has the microphone or whoever has the loudest voice in your life gets to set the standards that you will live by. So, so, We've got to understand what the standard really is so that we can live by the actual standard. The biggest issue in our struggle with holiness is that since most of us never read the book, we have no idea what the standards really are. Okay, so um, what happens is this. We're trying to compete in a race without knowing the course of the race. We're trying to win and we don't even know what really constitutes a win. You say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, a recent LifeWay research study found out this. That 45% of those of us who regularly attend church read the... we Only 45% of us read the Bible more than once a week. Okay, it gets worse. Over 40% of the people attending church on a regular basis read their Bibles occasionally. And that that occasionally is once or twice a month and then check this out 1 in 5 churchgoers say they never read the bible never so in the place of the of knowledge of scriptural instructions what we do is we take the easy convenient comfortable road and we allow our culture to become our christ When we do this, the result is this: we begin to ask the questions that we we mentioned two weeks ago. We will set in a body like this, and we begin to ask these questions: What can I do and still be saved? Can I go smoke my weed and be saved? Can I sleep around and be saved? Can I go drink and be saved? Can I cuss and be saved? Can I can I shack up and be saved? What can I get away from? Get away with? Because we don't know the standards. What's the limit of grace? Can I make a statement to you this morning that I hope you can handle? The cultural standard, the standard of the world, is actually completely irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Martin Luther said this. I want you to hear what he says. This is a powerful statement. He says, Be careful not to measure your holiness against someone else's sins. Wow. I'm going to say that again. Be careful not to to determine or to measure your holiness by other people's sins. Well, I don't sin like they sin. I mean, I, 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 I consider myself a Christian and they're doing this, 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 and this. And I'm not doing this. So since I'm not doing what they're doing, I'm holy. But what if what you're doing is against the standard listed in God's Word? Then what they're doing doesn't really matter. They're not the standard. The people sitting next to you are not the standard. Okay, it doesn't really matter what the world says is right or wrong. Does't matter what the Democrats say what was what's right or wrong, Does't matter what the Republicans say what, what's right or wrong? Does not matter, doesn't matter what the media says right or wrong. Hollywood doesn't get to weigh on, weigh in on what's right or wrong. There's only one standard, and we must know it because if, if we allow culture to set the standards, then the standards continually shift. what's right in the eyes of media this year will be wrong next year and the next year after that it will change again it shifts back and forth listen holiness is hard enough if you know the standard I can't deal with having it shift all the time and change all the time and being uncertain all the time. I need to know what is required. But I got some good news for you this morning. The good news is that God's standard never changes. It's always the same. It has been the same since the time it was recorded. And when we're done, it will still be the same. So let's set our course towards holiness based upon the standard of God's Word. Come on. So, so, so it's imperative to find out the standard... So we can be familiar with it, so so that we know how to live. Some of you are saying right now, well, I've looked in the Bible, and it doesn't deal with what I'm dealing with, so I don't know whether I'm being holy or not. Really. Because what I've discovered is that the word addresses almost, if not every situation. Okay, I'm going to cherry pick. You say, what what does cherry pick mean? It means you just go in and you pick one verse of Scripture and you pull it out and make it say what you want it to say. I'm going to cherry pick. I'm not going to try to make it say what I want it to say. I just want to show you. I could pick a bunch of them. I'm just going to pick one just to give you an example. Because two weeks ago, I read to you out of First Passion. Remember? It was First Corinthians. We called it First Passion. You were supposed to have read First Corinthians slowly on your own, right? So you've probably read this. But I'm going to read it to you again. 1 Corinthians chapter six verses nine through eleven. Listen to what it says, just as an example, just as an example. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Here we go. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy or, or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were, you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the spirit of our God. So, so this one passage, I'm, I cherry picked, but I'm just showing you an example. If you've read the standard, you know the standard, but if you don't read the standard, you don't know the standard. So now Hollywood gets to decide what you thinks right, and what's wrong. Or the loudest politician. Or the loudest loudest misinformed preacher. Or your best friend. But I just cherry picked one verse of scripture and lo and behold in one verse of scripture. Look at this. It deals with sexual sin. Consumerism. Where? I didn't see that. Yeah, it talks about idol worship. That's consumerism. I make my car my God. I make the latest pair of jeans that I got to have okay it deals with adultery it deals with prostitution it deals with homosexuality it deals with stealing it deals with greed it deals with drunkenness it deals with abusive behavior and it deals with cheaters all in one passage but if you've never read the passage how do you know that God said all this stuff is wrong Okay, it's quiet up in here. But then I want you to notice what he does. He says, when we call in the name of Jesus forgiveness from these things, we are made what? Holy. Holy. It puts the standard in black and white, and then it tells us that holiness is on the other side of being a set apart from those things. So let's be honest. The reason that most of us fall short in the area of holiness isn't that the standard isn't given. The reason most of us fall short in the area of holiness is because we haven't read it or we don't like it. Because I would prefer to live by society standards. Because society standards say I can do anything I want to do and you can't tell me what to do. And there is no standard. In fact, it's my truth. This is my truth. Bull. This is the truth. This is the truth. If you say that this is true enough that I can accept Christ into my life and make Him the Savior and save me from hell, then we got to accept it all as truth and say, then also I should live every day like it says to live. Okay, okay. So, so the lack of knowledge or the lack of willingness to submit to the standard is why we tend to settle for things that are easier. For instance, many of you think you're holy because you come to church on Sunday morning. How in the world does doing something different than your neighbor on Sunday morning, just on Sunday morning, make you different? It doesn't. Okay, so let me help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spell it out for you right here, and then I'm going to move on. This is so plain. This, I mean, anybody understand what I'm about to say. Are you ready? Being set apart is aligning oneself with the standards set by Scripture. That's holiness. See, and I couldn't get no help because we don't like that standard. But that's as easy as I can tell you. When you align yourself with Scripture, you will be holy. Too many of us are arguing with Scripture rather than aligning with it. We want to negotiate with God. It's in black and white and sometimes red. He's not going to change. So, so let me help you. We're going to go one step further than this. So if you align yourself with Scripture, then you will live holy. There's no doubt about it. But you've got to know Scripture. Don't let somebody just say it's in there and you not know. Because there are people that will tell you it's in there. Like, one of the ways to be holy is cleanliness is next to godliness. I know it's in there. No, it's not. But we'll believe it because we don't know. you got to find it and read it for yourself. Okay. Second, I'm, I'm just trying to help you figure out how to live holy here. Are you ready? This one's. This one sounds easy, but it's not. If you are set apart, in other words, if you're holy, then when people see you, they see Jesus. I need you to ask yourself a question. Ask yourself this question. Am I holy? Go ahead, talk to yourself for a second. Am I holy? Can I help you? If when people see you, they see Jesus, then the answer is yes. But wait. When they see the Jesus of the Bible, not when they see the North American, glamorized, wishy-washy, weirdo Jesus. When people look at you, if they see the Jesus of the Bible, the compassionate, grace-filled, Strong, controversial, anti-culture, counterculture, Jesus. If the answer is that they see that Jesus when they see you, then the answer is yes, you're holy. But newsflash, if when they look at you they don't see that Jesus, then the answer is no. Okay, you say, how do you prove that? Let me show you. How did people recognize Jesus' disciples after Jesus was gone? Oh, I don't know. I just went to the Bible and read it. Because in the New Testament it says that after Jesus was gone, they saw the disciples and they went. They've been with him. That's how they recognize They've been with him. We see these guys and they're representing or representing Jesus so well, even though he's no longer here visibly that we can see, we recognize they've been with Jesus. So when people look at us, if they could recognize they've been with Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, because that doesn't really make us holy any different than anybody else. They went to the lake. We just happened to go to church. But when they look at us and they see that we live our lives differently, we're living our lives by a different standard, we're following Scripture and we're representing Jesus well, when they recognize that we've been with Jesus, then what they're really saying about us is they're holy. They're set apart. See, here's the truth from from the list that I read to you out of 1st Passion or 1st Corinthians or any other passage that I would have chosen out of the New Testament because I cherry-picked. Any of those verses. Any, There are multiple lists of things that we're not supposed to do as believers. Ever read any of them? Probably not according to this survey, but I hope you have. Right? There are list after list after list after list, but can I help you this morning? You can keep all the lists and still not be holy. Wait a minute, I don't like that truth. I've been trying to live these lists all my life, but that doesn't mean you're holy. It might mean you're a good person, but that doesn't mean you're holy. What makes us holy is this. According to Scripture, there's only one way to obtain holiness, and this is it. We read it. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So holiness can only be found in Jesus. Our holiness and our ability to meet the standard can only be found in and through Jesus. Jack Hayford says it like this. He says holiness really doesn't have anything to do with religious things. It has to do with the nature of God invading and pervading our nature. As we spend time with Jesus, we begin to represent him better. Will we keep the list? Yes, because Jesus kept the lists. But that doesn't make us holy. What makes us holy is we we are in relationship with him. And here, oh, catch this. We do these things. We we don't sleep around. We according to this list we don't we don't prostitute ourselves. We don't worship idols. We don't practice homosexuality. We're not greedy. We're all we're not abusive. You know why? Not so we can be saved. We don't do any of that stuff because we are saved. We're in relationship with Jesus, and so the truth is is that most of us would love to have our name included in the list found in Hebrews. We want to be enshrined because of the holiness and the great level of faith. But our problem is is we want their highlight reel without their holiness. We don't want to live by the list. We don't want. To, we don't want the tight relationship. We just want to be on the. Listen, I'm telling you this this morning that holiness can only be found way one way through Jesus. And then when we get into relationship with Him, it causes us not to want to do these other things, so that we will represent or represent Him well to the people around us. The reason that some people around you don't want the Jesus that you have is because you're no different than they are the standard we're striving for is not perfection it's holiness set apart do you know the standard do you even have any concept of what the standard we're called to is then if not you need to read it for yourself are you trying to live up to a standard without a relationship that's legalism or have you become comfortable with what the world says is different that's license license the middle ground is this. I develop a relationship with Jesus and I want to represent him so well so that other people will see him and know that I've been with him that now I go read the standard for myself and I go, you know what, Jesus? I would really like to do some of these things, but I wouldn't dare because then they would think that you're okay with that. And it's quiet up in here right now. The command is this Be holy because I'm holy. It's a direct order and a mandate that if we are going to land in the hall of fame of faith, we must live holy. That's not about makeup. That's not about hymn lines. That's not about license to do anything you want to do and say this is my truth and this is my standard. There is a definite standard we live by, but it is first a relationship with Jesus that results in us living differently so I want to ask you a question a very difficult question this morning then I'm going to get out of your way other than coming to church on a Sunday morning after you lost an hour of sleep what makes you any different than the neighbors that live next to you other than wearing a passion t-shirt can I go there Other than serving on a Sunday morning. What makes you any different than the people that you work with all week long? And if the answer is nothing, then you're not holy. And if the answer is they can't see Jesus when they talk to you or hear Jesus when they talk to you, then you're missing the point. So, Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this, that we would adjust our standard and we would take it away from this idea that society standards matter. They don't. They don't. I pray that you would realign our hearts. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would help us to, to, to go and discover the standard for ourselves, we would get hungry for the knowledge of the standard and we would begin to dig it out for ourselves and we wouldn't believe any other voice other than the voice of the black and white scripture that you've given us as the, the rule book to play by. I pray that in the name of Jesus we would adjust our, our standards and what we see as acceptable and what we see as sin only by what is in your word and by the voice of your spirit in our heart And Father, I pray that we would learn how as a body and as, in, as individuals to represent, to represent Jesus so well that when people see us, they see Jesus. And and we would be so different that people would want what we have. We wouldn't be freaky and we wouldn't be weird and we wouldn't walk, run around shouting about rules and regulations. We would be able to show you that we're in relationship with you so well, so close, that when they see us they go they've been with him they're different I can't put my finger on it but they're different and Father I pray that as we live that way what would take place is they would see you and they would want what we have so God I pray that this week we would be very honest with ourselves as we ask ourselves this question am I really any different Am I really any different than the people around me? I ask you to accomplish this as we strive to be set apart and represent you well in Jesus' name. Let me give you one example, and then I and then I'm going to stop. I I um I ran into uh, sports clips on um, Friday morning, and uh, this guy came in after me. He apparently knows the people. One of the ladies that cuts hair in there really well. He walks in and the first thing he does is he flips her off. And they laugh. They're, they're kidding back and forth. I'm like, this is weird. He calls her by name. It's weird. As he's going as he's going to his chair, she says, because she's cutting this guy's hair, she laughs after he flips her, flips her off and all that and they're joking back and forth. And she's cutting her hair and she's, she's playing with him and he's sitting in another chair and she says, is that Jesus calling my name? And he says... I can guarantee you, it wasn't Jesus. Implicating that it insinuating it would be somebody else. Let me show you how this works, how this holiness thing I think works. So she's the one going to cut my hair. He's sitting in the other chair. And as I head to the chair, I say to her, her name's Jill. I said, Jill, maybe Jesus is calling your name. She was like, what? I said, I pastor a church maybe Jesus is calling your name today she was taken back and I got to start this conversation with her I never told her that sleeping around's wrong, I never told her drinking's wrong I didn't have to talk to her about language because I didn't use any and I just tried to show her in my conversation as we talked about the church and I got to invite her to come to church and come check us out I got to just show her, I was trying to represent Jesus well to show her that I'm different than that guy I'm totally different than that guy. And as we walk into situations in a barbershop, in a Starbucks, in your office cubicle, when you walk in, you can represent Jesus so well that you'll be set apart. And people will go, I got to check this thing out. That's holiness. That's holiness. I challenge you this week to represent him so well that people see you as set apart come on Kaylee I'll keep preaching yes thank you so
0: much it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
1: Just a second. couple things. Um, just, I'm just going to take some personal liberty for just a second before I get into the Word this morning. Two things. One, we talk about this. I know I've heard um, Tari say this on numerous occasions. Uh, when he's on a microphone, he says, we don't take this for granted. Um, Can I just encourage you this morning not to take the privilege that we have to worship together for granted? Uh, Some of you will know his name, some of you don't, um, but we used to have a young man that was part of our youth ministry that is now the senior pastor at the church I was a youth pastor at in in Greenville, North Carolina. It's weird how uh, God works things out. They couldn't have church this morning. It's against the law. Um, the governor stepped in and said, You cannot meet if you have more than 100 people, so they could not meet this morning. Um, so they just made the decision that, at least for now, uh, that they wouldn't. But I want you to understand that this is a privilege, and we need to pray for those churches that are being impacted by this. Um, and, and, and we just need to stand in the gap. This is a huge deal for them. And we just need to pray that the Holy Spirit will step in and give them wisdom. At some point, I'm sure they will have to make the decision, uh, if this continues, that they're going to break the law. Um, but uh, Because we answer to a higher power. But I, just want, I, just want, I, I don't want us to miss the teaching moments that bring themselves to bear in this. We cannot think that what we have enjoyed for hundreds of years is normal. And that we can take it for granted. We need to understand that we have to exercise our faith. The second thing I want to do this morning is because um, uh, I know when I had my issues, health issues, you guys prayed for me. You prayed for your pastor. I I carry that same weight that um, I have a pastor. um, And I want to pray for him this morning. My pastor... Uh, who was my pastor from the time I was about 11 years old until... Well, he still, I still consider him my pastor to this day. He's retired now, 29 years in the pastorate there at Apache First. Um, he's been struggling with some blood issues for several months now, um, probably the last 8 to 10 months, I don't know. His son, who's my, one of my best friends was also my youth pastor, by the way, uh, even though he was one year older than me, uh, called me day before yesterday, and he said, Steve, I want to tell you I'm in an Apache. And I said, well, what are you doing? He never comes to Apache. I said, what are you doing in Apache? And he said, Dad had some tests. And I said, okay. And, and he said, we've been struggling. He's been struggling with some blood platelet issues. And so we came in to see what the tests were going to reveal. And they diagnosed him with leukemia. Um, they are devastated. Um, <clears throat> They're aggravated because the doctors in that area didn't, uh, weren't more proactive. But listen, this is the teaching moment out of this. My heart's heavy for him, and I know they're scared and they're devastated. Um, but either we believe Jesus can heal everything, or we don't need to believe He can heal anything. So if He can heal the cold, if He can heal a flu, if He can heal uh, coronavirus, then what's the difference? He can also take care of leukemia, and so um, I'm going to take a liberty this morning because he's my pastor. Um, I want to ask you to help me pray. I want us to pray together right now for Bud Jones, Sherry Jones, uh, Les Jones is his son, BJ Jones is his other son. Some of you will recognize this this name, uh, Jamie Scamahorn, who used to attend here. That's his daughter, so we're connected. All right, so um, would you help me pray for them right now? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, the strong name of Jesus. I ask you in the name of Jesus to touch Brother Bud right now. I pray that what the doctors are saying, I, I, I think they don't understand that we, although we believe their diagnosis, we believe you more. And so we speak health and life into his blood right now. And I pray that that leukemia cell, that that, that, that thing that's going on there, I just pray that the blood of Jesus, the, the stripes that Jesus bore on his back would be applied to that right now. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, faith would arise in that family. They've been so faithful to you for so many years. I just pray that their faithfulness would stand out to you and not as a payment, just as a remembrance of what they've done for your kingdom and for so many people and all the times they stood in the gap and all the times they carried the burden for others. I just pray right now they would sense and feel that others are praying and carrying the burden for them. And I just pray peace would just arrive in their house right now and that you would give them peace in their heart and we would get a miracle for Brother Bud. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said Amen. All right. Y'all all right this morning? Everybody awake? All right. Well, last week, we, uh, uh, we've been all off schedule, uh, but we have uh, started a series called Holy Mess last week. I've, I've taught you, I hope, that you've listened closely enough that when God says something twice, you should listen. Uh, I didn't tell Tari what I was going to preach this morning, but when God says something twice, you better listen. All right, here we go. Last week, we talked about the Hall of Fames. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news this morning, but the Hall of Fames, or last night, the Hall of Fames shut down. All the Hall of Fames shut down temporarily because over 200,000 people darken their door, whether it's the football, the basketball, or the baseball Hall of Fames. Over 200,000 people every year go to those to catch a glimpse of, of a glove or a helmet of their hero, um, but have you ever watched one of the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies? Anybody ever watch those? I, I, I can't watch them long because they're kind of boring because I don't know the people they're talking about, but but I've watched them enough to, I, I recognize something as I was thinking about that this week, um, the when, when somebody is inducted into the Hall of Fame, they get to make a speech, and without fail, they always take the time to thank their coaches, their parents, the trainers, uh, their, their fellow players. Uh, they, 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 they realize at some point that it's impossible for them to be in the Hall of Fame without the help of somebody else um no but it's it's interesting to me that uh, no one else was at the plate when they when they hit the ball uh, no no one no one else was taking the shots that they were making they took the shot they made the shot nobody else made the cut or made the tackle that changed the course of the game and yet every time without fail i've never heard one yet stand at the microphone and say i did this all by myself Nobody. They always point to other people, and at the end of the day, what they recognize is that even individual accomplishments took place in the framework of teamwork. So uh, as we continue our discussion, this is the last week of this, we continue our discussion about holiness. I, I want you to understand that holiness certainly comes with individual responsibilities individual there are individual implications and there are individual elements that must be uh, uh, taken care of so when we start talking about this am i responsible am i personally responsible for my standing with god am i personally responsible for my actions for my thoughts my deeds am i do i have a responsibility to do right if even if everybody else does wrong do 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 I have the responsibility to to uh, walk away from sin and keep my distance from sin? The answer to all those questions is an emphatic and a uh, and, and in my notes a capitalized yes. You have individual responsibilities for your relationship with God, for the way you live your life, for what you do and what you don't do. Okay, are we all clear? Okay, that is our individual responsibility. But I think we miss a key component of holiness that we need to address. Because I think what's taken place is that we've neglected or completely ignored the team nature of holiness. And in doing so, we've often made this a holy mess. So I'm going to read... Uh, two passages of scripture, one, I, I don't know, uh, I, I heard a guy do this not too long ago, he referenced this verse of scripture, but other than that, I don't know that I've ever really heard this passage of scripture connected to holiness. Then I'm going to read what I think is probably the cornerstone scripture for, for our uh, call to be holy, all right, are you ready? So join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verse 9. You can probably sing, sing this because when I was growing up at about 15 years old, this was, a, this was a popular song. Now it would be corny, but we used to sing this because it had that kind of, I don't know, that beat. I don't, what's, what's that beat? The, is it the, uh, I don't know, just had this beat that all the songs had back then and they were kind it's, is it the dance? It's the one we did this to. What is that? Yeah, the charismatic hop. We used to do that to them, right? It had that kind of, all right. So, so here it is, here, here it is. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the passage I haven't really heard connected with holiness, but we're gonna talk about that. Then here's the, here's the cornerstone one. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. The, and this is Jesus speaking, it's in red. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. all right? Just a couple of thoughts, a couple of thoughts, a couple of thoughts here. We're trying to live up to First Peter chapter two, verse nine. First Peter, chapter two, verse nine, that had the dance step with it, and we knew the song, literally speaks to our station as believers. It talks about. How God sees us. It gives us a glimpse into what should be, uh, we should recognize as our identity. It tells us who we are. Are you with me? Okay, because let me show you. He uses these words He says, We're chosen, we're royal, and we're holy. That's our condition, that's how God sees us. And then he tells us why he sees us this way. Because he brought us out of darkness into light. Remember, I'll I'll get to it. Uh, Again, I want to make sure you understand holiness. The working definition for us is this, set apart. He set us apart, right? So now because he set us apart, he he sees us this way. He sees us as chosen, royal, and holy. In other words, uh, hold on. This could be a revelation to some of you. He sees you as if you are a member of the hall of fame of faith. That's who he sees you to be. Even on your worst day, if you're believing in Christ and you're doing your best to be set apart, then he sees you as chosen, royal, and holy. But I want you to see something. Chosen people. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. I I, I need you to see this. I hadn't seen this before. I want you to notice people, priesthood, Nation, I need you to understand that people is plural. Priesthood is plural. He didn't say I see you as a holy priest. He said I see you as part of the holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, plural. Then he says I see you as a holy, or a holy nation. Wait a minute, nation. Nation is plural. People means that, that there are more than one. Priesthood is not one individual. A nation is not comprised of one person, but rather an entire group of people. So if people, if, if Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if he describes us as a people, as a priesthood, as a nation, then why in the world do we keep trying to accomplish holiness by ourselves? Why? According to what Peter's saying, we should never attempt that on our own anyway. Okay, now wait a minute. Now Jesus comes along, before Peter writes this of course, Jesus says to his disciples here's the cornerstone, here is the ultimate call to holiness, here is the ultimate call to be set apart, here is the ultimate call to refrain from sin here is the ultimate call to lay down anything that gets in our way. Jesus says if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. We quote that, I've heard that quoted, I quote it. It is the hallmark verse of scripture for us when we're dealing with whether or not we should do things, shouldn't do things, this is it. This is the one. Jesus said, lay it down, take up your cross, and follow me daily, right? Are you with me? Okay. That's, that, we must live different. But I want you to go back and think about Jesus carrying the cross. Because in John, uh, you can find more detail about what takes place when Jesus is carrying the cross, but you can also see it referenced in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, at least the the surrounding events. What we discover is that when Jesus carried his cross, he had assistance. Y'all remember the account? So if Jesus had helped carrying his cross, then why do we continue to act like we're strong enough to carry our cross by ourselves? I've never dealt with holiness like what I'm talking to you because what we do is we want to make it all about us. Just make it about me. And my, I got to live this way. But I think we've missed it, messed it up. So, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear a couple of statements. The first thing I want you to hear me say is this without assistance, holiness is hard, if not impossible. I knew I wouldn't get any help. Okay, so this is what I'm I'm coming to grips with. Holiness is a team sport. I'm beginning to understand that we make holiness a holy mess because we make it so much harder than it actually has to be because we keep trying to pull it off as if it's a solo event or an individual event. Does that sound familiar? Tari, he just said this. We we try to do this all by ourselves because we've been taught the personal responsibility which, which there is. But we've missed the corporate responsibility. Okay, so I've declared to you that uh, there is a collective ethic and i'm going to keep saying that until we get it there is a collective collective ethic that must rub off when we spend time with one another when we're establishing how we believe how we behave how we work there is a there is a collective ethic that must rub off but i don't want you to miss this statement right here as well the collective ethic must be accompanied by a collective effort We help each other carry the cross and the result is that the task is easier and it is doable. We're commanded in scripture to carry one another's burdens. I've never heard anybody say that one of the burdens that we are called to help each other carry is holiness. But is there anybody else in this room that is, is as honest as I'm getting ready to be that would say living holy is hard? Has anybody else figured that out? Am I the only one that's figured out that there are times trying to live a wholly set-apart, different lifestyle is incredibly difficult? Yes. It is. In fact, you know what I've discovered? That oftentimes the cross of holiness that we're called to is not only difficult, it will break you. And will come up short. And I wonder if maybe the reason that holiness continues to break so many people is whether or not we've messed this up so bad to think that we got to do this all by ourselves. See, we've defined holiness as set apart, meaning we're set apart from evil and sin. But I did not say that we were supposed to be alone. Holiness means separation from sin. It does not mean separation from those who are called to help you stay away from sin. See, see. I think a lot of times what we do is we fall to sin that we would not normally fall to because we separate ourselves from the safety net that God has placed in our life. That we're our people that are supposed to help us. Our our culture right now is telling us to practice um, uh, uh, this this thing thing called um, uh, 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 social distancing. Right. Our problem is is we're practicing practicing spiritual distancing. We keep pulling away from people that God sent to help us live holy. So so practically speaking, um, what does this look like? How do we assist one another? Uh, How do we help each other carry our daily cross? How does that work? If this is a team sport, if I need your assistance to stay holy, how do you help me? Well, I, I, I reflected back, okay? Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith, right? The Hebrew writer comes along in Hebrews chapter 12, and he makes this statement. In chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I believe it is, he says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it, strip down, start running and never quit, no, spirit, no extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Uh, so, so then he says, keep your eyes on Jesus, remember what Jesus did, all this stuff, and I started thinking about it. I'm not trying to take it out of context. I recognize that when the writer says, uh, in this version anyway, there's this, uh, all these pioneers ahead of us, the version you're familiar with says there's a great cloud of witnesses. I recognize, I'm not taking it out of context, I recognize that what he's talking about are the, fam- the Hall of Fame guys that are dead and gone. They're in the stands cheering for us. I get that. But what if we could make this current? What if when we were about... Because he says, if you would remember that the Hall of Famers are up there and they're cheering us on, we would run the race differently. We would lay aside sin. We would lay aside things that so easily entangle us. We would be able to make the sacrifices that we need to make. We would lay down addictions. We would lay down uh, lust. We would lay down pride. We would lay all this stuff down because we would remember that the Hall of Famers are up there cheering us on. But what if we could make it current? What if... The way we're supposed to help each other be holy is that I don't just look for somebody up in the sky cheering me on. What if all around me, the people that God has connected me to in this body right here, about the time I'm ready to stumble, about the time I'm ready to throw in the towel, about the time I'm ready to quit, about the time I'm ready to say something I shouldn't say, about the right time I'm ready to punch somebody right in the face, about the time I'm ready to tell somebody out. What if somebody two rows over, I look and they're cheering me on? Don't quit. Don't give up. Breathe. Don't panic. I grab your arm. I won't let you do that because you're going you're gonna to make a mistake. I, and I assist you. What if we could make it current? What if the way that we help each other as a team sport for each of us to live holy is that we actually root for one another? And encourage one another, and cheer one another on, and, and 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 stand in the gap. I just have this sneaking suspicion that if I was if I was aware that you were watching my life, encouraging me now, that I would make better decisions. I'm convinced that. If I knew, if on a regular basis I looked over and you're cheering me on and I'm so, somebody's saying, I'm so proud of the, the faith that you exhibit. I'm so proud of how you're living righteously. I'm so proud that you came off the drugs. I'm so proud that you gave this up. I'm so proud that you quit talking like this. I'm so proud. I think maybe, just maybe, that I would be more inclined to turn the channel when it's on something bad. I think I, I would be more inclined to put the drink down that I, that I wanted. I think I would be more inclined to, to put the, the needle down. I think I would be more inclined to stay home on a Friday night rather than going out where I know I don't need to be because I know I got people that are rooting for me, yes, 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 cheering me on, yes. encouraging me. See, uh, maybe, maybe we would have more holy people. I want you to hear this statement. Maybe we would have more holy people if holy people would help people be holy, come on, Amen. Myself, when I wrote that, I about came out of my office. Maybe we would have more holy people if more holy people would help people be holy. Because most of the holy people in my background are not most. A lot of the people in my holiness background didn't help me be holy. They wanted. They almost ran me off from holiness because they were so mean. Or judgmental, but maybe if holy people rallied around one another, and I watch for you, and I encourage you, and I cheer you on, and I lift you up, and I point out what you're doing right instead of what you're—all the stuff you're now. We're going to come to the wrong, but but I'm going to point out when you're walking by faith. I'm going to point out when you're doing sacrificial things. I'm I'm going to point. Maybe if holy people would help, then maybe more people would be holy. I, I remembered the account I know it 's not about holiness it 's about wholeness, which by the way, never mind, because they 're very closely linked. Uh, uh, I, I just remembered that uh, the the man on the pallet that couldn 't walk, he had four friends that carried him to Jesus. They removed all the obstruction so that he could get to Jesus. Maybe if we carried people towards Jesus rather than running them away from Jesus, there would be more holy people. It's a team sport, y'all. Yes, it is. I, I, I'm just convinced I'm just convinced that without, holy, without assistance, holiness is almost, almost impossible, but I'm also convinced of this. Here's the second truth without accountability. Right. Holiness is hard, yes. if not impossible. Yes. It's a balance. Some of us don't stay holy because all we want is assistance. We don't want anybody to hold us accountable. Haha. <laughs> OK mic drop, Uh, see it's when we learn to run towards each other in our mess rather than hiding that we discover, listen to this, out of our corporate holiness comes healing. That's why James says this in the New Testament. He said, you should confess your faults one to another so that you can be made whole. I just wonder if some of us are walking around sick in our spirit, sick in our body, sick in our mind simply because we won't confess our faults one to another because we don't want anybody to hold us accountable. So how do we help each other? We encourage one another. We cheer one or another on. When we see them doing right, we applaud. But we also have a mandate that as a corporate body made up of individuals, we must lean in and allow those around us to hold us accountable. Too often what happens is, is this, those that witness our mess up, they run away and they point fingers or they gossip, or they post it on Facebook, or they cut us off. Maybe y'all haven't experienced that. Or the one creating the mess practices spiritual distancing, and they turn a deaf ear and they resist help. The end result in either case is destruction. If those that are living holy see somebody faltering and they refuse to say anything or help, then they create destruction. If the one that's messing up, if someone tries to hold them accountable and they won't listen and they won't respond, then they are responsible and destruction comes. That's why, oh man, don't even mess with me. That's why why parenting, listen, y'all young people need to hear me. When a parent comes and holds you accountable, buck up buttercup, it's time to understand that God sent them to you to assist you in holiness. Oh, yeah, y'all y'all going y'all gonna, to y'all gonna shout me down on that, but let me get to husbands and wives. Because we dealt with a couple many years ago in a church, and the guy was having an affair, and we knew it. We thought he was. He wouldn't admit it. But, and we said, give your wife your cell phone and your passwords. Not me, man. My work won't allow me. Bull. He just didn't want anybody to hold him accountable. Right. Cost him his marriage. Right. Cost him his kids. Right. But it was our fault. Okay. I, knew, I knew. See we don't, want, we don't want to get it practical Unless it's for somebody else I believe that one of the reasons we struggle to stay holy Is that we continue to walk by ourselves Rather than listen to this Committing to holiness in the community of believers That we are That, that, that will call us into accountability And carry us When we come up short You are not in passion church Just so you can come and experience Powerful worship week after week You are not in passion church Just so that you can serve as a An usher, a greeter, a nursery worker, uh, a partridge in a pear tree, all the other stuff. You are not in passion just so that you can give money. You are not in passion so you can get a cool t-shirt or a bumper sticker. You are are planted in passion because God knew that he could put you here and there would be people here that would be assigned to you to hold you accountable. So lean in lean in there's two there's two streams of responsibility there there are those of us here that are that for, for you we're called to hold you accountable we gotta step up and hold you accountable but there's also the other way some of you there are people here that are assigned to you to hold you accountable you won't let them you get mad Okay. See, even David, I saw Teresa post this on her Facebook. It's where all good stuff comes from anymore, I guess. Facebook. Uh, David, David even knew. David, David knew he needed help. He he needed someone in his life who could discern. We all need somebody in our life that can discern. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 12, he says, but who can discern their own errors? He asked the question, because the truth is most of us can't because we think we're better than that. We don't see ourselves correctly. Okay, Uh, James chapter five. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. There's the responsibility. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Galatians chapter six, verse one. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivenly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. See, if we approach holiness as a team sport, then what happens is this. We watch for one another. We begin to hold one another accountable. We restore one another. For accountability to work, there must be cooperation on both ends. What does that mean? That means not only does someone have to watch closely enough to see something, then they have to be willing to say something. Sound familiar? See something, say something. The other person has to be willing to listen. And consider that the person who reached out in concern may actually be right. Oh, come on. Y'all don't play with me. Y'all don't look at me like, like like I'm crazy. I know some of you have had issues with some of the stuff people are placing on their Facebook. You know how I know? Because I hear you talking about it. But you won't talk to them about it. You just want me to talk to them about it. You do realize that if I talk to them about it, it becomes this escalated big deal why don't you why don't holy people help people be holy why don't you go to them and say man I love you so much and by the the way you represent us I'm part of you because we're part of this but I love you too much to let you keep posting this junk on Facebook stop the language quit posting pictures of you drinking I'm tired of seeing y'all pictures of y'all drinking by the way wearing a passion t-shirt drinking we talked about this, collective ethic. They think we all drink. If you if you don't have a conviction against that, come talk to me. We'll 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 figure it out in scripture. There's a scriptural stance. But quit posting. We have a responsibility to one another. If I let you do that stuff or if you let me do that stuff, hey, listen, there's going to be a moment in this thing cuz I'm human and I, I have faster fingers than I have brains and I'm probably going to type something and put it in sometime and it's going to represent us badly I need somebody that has assigned to me out of love not out of condemnation to come to me and say you know what you probably ought to rethink that post or in a conversation, maybe it's a face-to-face conversation. Maybe you're walking through the lobby and I'm railing on somebody for something stupid, like there's a napkin on the floor, because that's how I am. Uh, but, but, but maybe you ought to stop me and go, you know what? You didn't, I, man. I'm man. I just I'm trying to help you be holy, and man, that's that's a harsh answer that that causes wrath. Why don't Why don't you just stop? Man, I love you too much to let you hurt. Okay. You can tell people, you can tell when people don't see holiness as a team sport. You know how? They won't say anything. Okay, we've already talked about this. We are, I'm almost back into six foot baby. We've graduated from me to you and from me to we. But you can tell when people don't, we, we will graduate in that area and never attach holiness to it. I'm trying to attach holiness to it this morning that we have a corporate responsibility for one another. We can tell whether you seek holiness as a team sport by whether you're willing to say anything. But that's, that's a risk. I'm uncomfortable with that. So grow up. Because the scripture says that if we don't say anything we lead to that person's destruction. We play a part in that person's destruction the devil did it no we we played a part in their destruction because we refused to say anything you can also tell when people don't see holiness as a team sport when someone won't listen because when people are willing to live up to the accountability side of things and say something a lot of us won't participate as a team because we won't say we won't listen well this is my right I can do what don't you judge me don't you tell me what to do I can do anything I want to do no you can't not according to scripture because we're connected see something say something something said hear their heart I'm going to say it again see something say something you have a responsibility it's team sport they can't get to the Hall of Fame without you. But if somebody says something, hear their heart. They might just be right. We are responsible for each other's holiness. I'm done right here. We can only live up to First Tim, First Peter, Chapter Two, together. Together, we are a chosen people together we are a royal priesthood together together it takes all of us we are a holy nation i cannot be a chosen people by myself i cannot be a royal priesthood all by myself i cannot be a holy nation all by my lonesome can't even pull it off with my just me and my wife can't pull it off with just me my wife and my kids with me, my wife, my kids, my parents and my youth pastor. Can't pull it off with me, myself, my wife, my kids my parents, my youth pastor and his wife and his kids. We are a royal chosen holy nation. Because if it's just me and Julie and the kids and my parents and Drew and his wife and his kids and my other team members and their spouses and their kids, we're a, we're, we're a holy village. called as a holy nation I want to challenge you this morning and I'm going to lay it down right here just throw the gauntlet down why don't we as passion change how people look at holiness by doing it like this let's as holy people help people be holy holy Let's cheer for them. Let's root them on. Let's call out the good stuff they do. What? You used to say this, now you don't? Man, that's awesome. You had, a, you had an opportunity right there to use the language you used to, to use, and you chose not to. Congrats, bro. So proud of you. You used to talk back to your parents when they asked you to do this, and now you willingly go do it without arguing. So proud of you. You used to post stuff every other day on Facebook because you didn't have a life never mind because you didn't because because you, you used to post stuff all the time on Facebook but now your Facebook posts I see they're changing and they're uplifting and they're actually pointing people to Jesus I'm so proud of you and we help each other be holy but let's go one further step let's begin to lean in and hold one another accountable because a man cannot discern his own faults and I need you in love, in love speak the truth in love out of love I come to you and say man I'm for you, I'm not against you but I see this and I need you to think about it. just think about it, I'm not saying God told me I just see it, I just maybe he did tell me but I'm just telling you, would you just think about it could you take an alternate route could, could you go to them instead of calling Pastor Steve and saying hey can you deal with this yeah I can deal with it but it'll destroy them Heavy. I might as well preach ain't nobody coming to second service anyway they're all scared alright so uh, have you ever been do you remember what it was like to be in grade school when a, when a friend warned you man you're doing this and you're going to get in trouble as opposed to the teacher realizing you were doing something getting in trouble it escalates you're the first line of defense I'll deal with it if necessary I'm listen I'm not afraid not afraid I am not afraid all right? There are people that I run around with, the other pastors that hate confrontation. It's like it's like hunting and fishing to me. It's probably a hobby. Alright? Because I'm so black and white. If you haven't experienced that, grace be unto you, because it's coming. <laughs> Alright. Ask my kids. I am black and white. I don't have a problem with it. But my my thing is, is that we've moved from sheep to shepherd you're responsible just as much as I'm responsible help them don't let them wander into destruction some of y'all know some "Mm, I I gotta stop but some of y'all know some folks in this body that have been addicted to drugs and alcohol and you know people that and, and let me stop there drugs and alcohol let me just stop start right there and then I'll go some other places real quick drugs and alcohol but you'll watch them post drink drinking on their Facebook all day long and never say anything knowing it's going to lead them to destruction some of you watch people move from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship and you know that if they keep going down the same path and make the same stupid decisions they made in the previous relationship it's going to lead to another broken relationship and we won't say anything Watch people that have gone into financial trouble. They can't hold down a job. They they make stupid purchases. And you're right there when they do it. And you'll compliment the car. And never go, wait a minute. Did you really think about what that's going to cost you? Because now you've got so much debt, you can't even pay your rent. You just went and bought a $50,000 car. What are you, let me help you. Let let me help you. I got to stop. Holiness without assistance is impossible. Holiness without accountability is impossible. This is a team sport. See something, say something. Hear something said, hear their heart. Father, I pray this morning that you would say what I cannot say in this amount of time. I pray that you would help us to to, to be holier than we've ever been. I pray that in this body, I, I can't speak to the other bodies. I'm speaking to this body. God, I pray in this body that we would change how we view holiness. And although we understand the individual aspects and and elements of it and the implications of it, and although we know that we each have personal responsibility that we have to do, nobody can can, uh, stand before you for me. I've got to stand before you. I get that. But I pray that we would change how we see holiness and we would recognize that there is a team element to it. And I'm asking you to help us as holy people. To help people be holy by assisting them encouraging them rooting them on and also by holding each other accountable so that we will look more like your son Jesus rather than less I ask you to accomplish